Welcome to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm joined today by Jill Krasanovich. Today, we're chatting about living out loud, self-loyalty, and being a child living in chaos. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. All right, let's get into the show with the lovely Jill. Jill is an author, teacher, and empowerment mentor. She just published her self-help memoir, When the Apple Falls Far from the Tree, under her pen name, Margot Riley. From a chaotic childhood, cancer recovery, multiple weight loss journeys, and a newly sober lifestyle, Jill feels compelled to share her resources with others who might seek personal growth and improvement. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Cindy, for letting me be here and be part of your community today. I'm honored. Yeah, I'm really excited. Now, I did start reading your ebook, and it is really good. So I want to get into that in just a minute. But I want to talk about self-care first, because I intentionally took a break from researching and recording podcast episodes. So this is my first interview in about five weeks. So that's why I'm just so excited to be back. But but that was my self-care break to kind of like rejuvenate my creativity and, and get myself, you know, back in the flow. So I'm curious Do you practice self-care and do you have a favorite self-care routine? First of all, I love that you shared that because I think that's probably the most important part of self-care is recognizing what your needs are. And kudos to you for recognizing that you needed to take a break because that is exactly what self-love and self-care is about. You know, a lot of people hear the term self-love and they think right away it's, oh, I'm treating myself to spa treatments or, you know, things that are lavish. And really, self-care and self-love can be very simplistic, such as knowing when you need to take a break. But for me, it is other simplistic things such as making sure that I get enough sleep each night making sure that I'm managing my time, but also penciling in time for fun and excitement with friends. It's about creating boundaries and not just creating them and saying them, but also sticking to them. It's about forgiving myself when I make a mistake. All of these things you know, lead to that ultimate self-love that we need to have in order to harness our best selves. So just those very simple things all in place. And I love, Jill, that you talked about knowing the things that we wanted to do and actually doing them. There's a big difference, isn't there? (laughs) Absolutely. Because I was thinking, okay, it's time for a break, but I kept pushing through. And I also have a day job. I didn't want to get away from the podcast because I love it so much. But then I thought, okay, Cindy, you talk about self-care all the time. Do exactly what you preach about. Good for you. My signature question, and Jill, I love it because there's no right answers, there's no wrong answers, it just, it just brings up so much 
and so much variety for my guests. And that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Great question. And I love that title. And I think that really exploring the seasons of life is about having an open-mindedness to the fact that life is a season or a hundred seasons. It's all about beginnings and endings and ups and downs and the ebb and flow. And the more sooner we embrace the fact that life is about these seasons and we understand that change and evolution is always going to be a part of things, um, the more sooner we can embrace it and grow with it and evolve with it. Yeah, and sometimes it's like we can have many seasons in one day. You know, just how fast things change. In your memoir, in the first chapter, you write, Every now and then, something will come along to remind me of my white trash roots, like the time it showed up while having a conversation with my then 17-year-old daughter. Can you talk about that conversation? Because that line really just jumped out at me. And talk about that conversation and what led you to write your memoir. Absolutely. So it's funny how we all kind of go through life through that cliche saying of, you know, judging books by covers. You know, we just do. It's almost a natural thing. And my whole life I tried to train myself not to do that because I had grown up in such a chaotic life. Most people didn't know or have an inkling about what was underneath that surface. I was having this this conversation with my daughter one day where she was trying to tell me about a um, particular student at her school that was going through some stuff. And she was stressing, Mom, Mom, you don't understand. It's really bad. He lived in a homeless shelter. And at that particular moment in time, I let my daughter in on something she hadn't known. And that was that I myself had lived in a homeless shelter when I was younger. And it I guess it became the doorway where I started letting my daughters, who were then about 17 and 20, in on some of the things that were part of my history. And it also was an unleashing, I guess, permission to start to begin to tell my story and unfold it. So that's that was one of the very beginning marks of telling my story. However, I didn't really make a definitive decision uh, in, to start telling my story until 2020, when I began a sobriety journey that prompted a spiritual awakening. And that spiritual awakening literally opened the doors to journeying back to my little self, doing some wonderful healing, having some wonderful discoveries about my roots and where I come from. And it was that spiritual awakening that led to the writing of the book. And when did you um, release the book? The book just came out this past February, February 20th. Yep. So it's it's a new it's a newbie. And it's very good and and Jill I will tell you you're very candid throughout the throughout the book and very vulnerable and just very honest about about your entire life. Yes, thank you for noticing. And when I initially started writing You know, obviously, it was going to be a cathartic healing journey. It was about extracting all that was stuck within me and bringing it out onto the page. And I initially thought that maybe it would be a story that people close to me or the members of my family might enjoy. But as I was writing and editing and writing and editing some more, I noticed that it was more of a manual and that I was uncovering these tools that I used. And it then dawned on me, 
wow, I'm not just writing this book for myself. I really am writing it so other can other people can see themselves and what tools they might have used or still could use to get to the other side of adversity. And talking about tools, so when you were a child and, you know, living in, I'm going to say in chaos because that is, that is your terms, mm-hmm. uh, what tools did you rely on? There were lots of tools that I relied on, and I do go through them in the book. At the end of each chapter, I highlight the gift that kind of came with that particular situation, and I talk about everything from the community and neighborhood surrounding me to finding a trusted adult. But I will say that the number one tool was this feeling of self-loyalty. And when you peel down self-loyalty, it really comes down to self-talk. You know, we all have two voices within us. We have the egocentric version of us that leads oftentimes with fears. And then we have our true inner self. And when we're young, we're tapped into that voice. And when I was young, I stayed tapped into that voice and that, that inner compass. I say it was my inner compass. It was part imagination, part intuition and inner knowing. And it just guided me and it spoke to me very clearly. This life is not for you. You're not going to live this way. You're going to choose alternatives. And it was with me for a long time and it dimmed throughout my adulthood as I became busy in life and career. But then when I had this sobriety journey and the spiritual awakening, it was like I had just woken back up to that self-loyalty and that inner voice and that inner compass that was, you know, so profound when I was younger. And so I'm feeling really reconnected and, and I'm learning to trust in that voice again. And speaking of self-loyalty, how do you define self-loyalty? Ah, that's a tricky word. You know, a lot of people, I have this conversation with a lot of people, and I think a lot of people feel like self-love and self-loyalty is selfish. It's putting yourself before others. And there are a lot of people out there who believe in, you know, service to others and that that should be what comes first. I do not share in that belief. I share in the belief that when you are loyal to yourself and taking care of yourself and meeting all of your own needs you are then able to give to the world in service as your full and you know most purposeful self and that you have to you know focus on on what are your needs and again that kind of comes back to self love maybe your needs are setting some boundaries cutting people out of your life who other people might say nope you know that's your mother you 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 have to stick it out well i made a decision many years ago to cut my mother out of my life and to cut cords and ties with that part of me and while it was difficult it was what was needed for the evolution and, and it was the best choice for myself and my family we have to be willing to put ourselves first to be loyal to our own needs and evolution before those around us even when that involves making hard choices uh, I love that you use the word willing, because that is that's tough for a lot of a lot of women. Absolutely, to be, to be that that willing person to do whatever they need to do. Well, one of the things that I wanted to to mention and just to talk about a little bit is why do you think that we as women find it so difficult to live out loud? And I love that that I love that phrase, live out loud. Thank you so much. In fact, when I do start my podcast in the near future, it's going to be called the Live Out Loud cast. I love living out loud, and I try to explain that living out loud is not about going and standing on a cliff and shouting out all your deepest secrets and desires and sharing them with the world. What it is about is claiming who you want to be 
and who you are so that you can step in it and embody it and own it. A lot of times I think women in general are just afraid to say that I want this, I want more. You know, they want to feel like they should be content with what they already have and they're afraid to dream a little bit bigger, to dream a little bit more. But when we claim what it is that we're looking for and we live out loud and say, hey, I want some of this. This is appealing to me. Help me to achieve this or let's go look at this together. And we kind of put it out there, then we can attract in the right people and situations and places that will bring that into our lives. When you talked about self-care and self-loving, and we've talked about this a little bit at the beginning and, and just now, what does loving yourself look like? It looks like putting yourself first, first and foremost, and being able to actually even say those words out loud. You know, I love myself the most so that I can love and give to others. That goes back to your live out loud. You know, the, and I'm just kind of putting all this together, Jill. You know, when you love yourself, you are able to live out loud. Absolutely, because you're not concerned with what others are saying, what others are thinking. You're honing in on your own purpose, your own conviction, your own integrity. And there's nothing embarrassing about that. There's nothing to be ashamed of about that. You're just living in that integrity of who you are. And again, I wasn't always at this place. It feels wonderful to be here. But it took a lot of tucking and rolling, as my book will show, to get to the evolution of getting back to who I really am. Earlier, you mentioned a sober lifestyle. So can we talk about your sober lifestyle and your spiritual awakening? Absolutely. One of my favorite topics. Thank you. So as I mentioned, approximately two and a half years ago, I embarked on a sobriety journey. The reason that I did that was because I come from a long line of alcoholics. Initially, I didn't think my life was going to be affected by this because I was a good time drinker. I had it under control. I was I was a great time. I had no episodes. I, I was working. I was functioning. But then I did realize as the years were going on that my drinking was definitely escalating. It became more and more often. I was drinking when I was sad. I was drinking to celebrate. I couldn't potentially do anything with my family or friends unless alcohol was involved. And I just decided that I was not being the best role model for my children. At the same time, my mother was literally killing herself with liver disease. She just died uh, a year ago from alcoholism. And I had to make a conscious choice that I did not want to do this. And this is after, you know, 25, 30 years of drinking consistently with my friends and having a group of friends and family, for that matter, that always revolved around it. So I knew there was going to be some big sacrifices. I knew the invites were going to stop. I knew my friend circle was going to change. I knew I was going to have to find some new modalities and habits and and things in my life to take the place of that. But I was really just ready to get comfortable with my true feelings and to stop pushing them down and masking them with alcohol. It was time to just get clear and be with myself and learn myself again. And I like that you just talked about 
you know, getting clear with yourself because I have had a couple of guests on the on the show before where we talked about, you know, there's so much of the, the mommy wine club, so to speak. You know, everything's about, you know, having a glass of wine and meeting friends for wine and, and things like that. What do you think in your situation and did your your um, friendship shrink down? They definitely did. And it's tough because what happens is it's not so much that they are judging you because you stopped drinking. It's more about how they feel when they're standing next to you and they are drinking. Because let's face it, many, I mean, there are people who are out there who are just social drinkers that can have a glass of champagne at a wedding that do not have a problem with it. But in my particular situation, most of the people that I was encompassing myself with were people just like myself who needed alcohol at every event to celebrate everything or to say goodbye to every ending. And I really feel it was more about them feeling they were being judged, even though it wasn't that way. My husband still drinks. My daughter is of age. She drinks. It does not bother me to be around people who are consuming alcohol. They don't have a problem with it, such as I did. I don't, I don't have a judgment around it. But there's definitely an uncomfortableness about it. And I will say that personally for me, I was able to adopt, like I can go have a mocktail or a a non-alcoholic beer so that I'm almost looking the part as I'm around people and being social. And I think that brings some ease to them and maybe even some ease to myself. But there are a lot of people who step out of the life of alcohol who cannot be around it because it is too triggering. I fortunately did not have that problem, so I, I can handle that. But you, you can guarantee that when you make the decision to take something out of your life such as that, you're going to change all of your dynamics for sure. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And was this the time that you had your spiritual awakening? It was. And the reason why was because the program that I joined happened to be a 90-day online sobriety program. It was prompted by a book I had read called A Happier Hour by Rebecca Weller. And when I got to the end of the night or end of her book, it made a pitch for her 90-day program, which I automatically bought into after reading her book. I was like, whoa, this is me and I need this lady in my life. I bought the program and part of her program was daily emails. And in these daily emails, there would either be interviews with other women in similar situations, or there were modalities such as journaling, such as EFT, emotional freedom tapping. And it was like this little smorgasbord of all of these things you could try to see what helped you regulate your feelings and emotions. And I began, you know, finding names of other people, uh, you know, big spiritual gurus such as Gabby Bernstein and Louise Hay. And I started, you know, digesting their material and one thing led to another. And I I kind of found what worked and resonated with me. And it was discovering all of those tools that made me understand there are coping coping mechanisms out there. I don't need to turn to something such as alcohol to find that relaxation and comfort that these other modalities can give me. And did you find one modality that you liked better than another? I would say not necessarily a modality, but more a adopting a ritual. I be I adopted a morning ritual. My morning ritual is like my magic, my power hour. I get up an extra hour early, which is 4.30 in the morning, just so that I can journal, do a meditation, do my planner for the day, set some actual intentions that I write about. I light a certain candle. I have essential oils going. And it is this ritual 
that literally sets me up for success every day. And I definitely see, I'm going to be developing something. I see this in my future. I, I wanna share and help others make this power hour or this morning ritual a part of their life as well because I really believe it's that big of a game changer. Yeah, and I love that. Now I have something similar. It's not, I don't get up at 4.30 and it's not a full hour, but I do get up, I, you know, I. I enjoy my cup of coffee and, you know, that's almost like a a ritual in itself. You just, you know, making the coffee and holding the cup, but I read and I meditate and, and I journal because I love that. Absolutely. And it's just that time with yourself, you know, no matter whether it's super structured or slightly structured, it's really gifting that gift to yourself to just be with yourself. Maybe one day you want to write, maybe one day you want to read, but just kind of honing in on, you know, this is time for me to get my head together, my thoughts together in a relaxing way that's not racing the clock so that I can step into the day kind of with this clear head. I definitely think you should do something with that. Thank you. I definitely see something coming. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, most of us human beings, we're just like creatures of habit. We live our lives on autopilot. And there's many reasons that we can end up on autopilot, you know, whether it's you know, stress and being busy, being a people pleaser, or sometimes it's really not even know there's other options. How can we move from autopilot to being mindful? It's very tough. It is a very tough thing to make that transition. So my advice is small bits. For example, I was never a meditator initially, and people would say that word and I would be turned off. I'm not a still person. I'm very um, obnoxious in nature. I'm, I'm always moving and always doing things. And right away, I had a resistance to the word meditation. But then when I started doing a little research and I saw that, oh, there's two and three minute meditations out there. It doesn't involve sitting cross-legged in, in a dark room with a candle. I can do it right when I sit down in my car and I have to go to work. I can put my hands on the steering wheel for two minutes and get some clarity. I often like to listen to some that are guided where somebody else is kind of coaching me through. There are very simple ways. So my advice would be, don't try to take it all on initially. Dabble in little things. You know, if, if, you, if you're if you like me and you're feeling a little bit restricted by the word meditation, go out there and find out about the different types that there are and see which one resonates with you. Don't start with trying to sit for 20 minutes in silence. Do it for three minutes, five minutes. See where you find your comfort because... Really, it is in that stillness, that time that we are with ourselves, that we get the most clarity. I mean, think about even when you're showering. I don't know about you, but when I'm showering, I feel like I get the best thoughts. Sometimes I want to turn the water off and go write down what I'm thinking because the best thoughts are dropping in. And it's because you don't have that phone in front of you. You don't have that screen in front of you. You're just being with yourself in the moment and you're allowing your brain to kind of relax and you're talking back to that truer self. Oh, Jill, those those that's fabulous what you just talked about, because a lot of us tend to go for the big hurrah, so to speak. They're going to start meditating and they're going to start off at an hour. Yeah, yeah let's start <laughs> off luck. at two Good or three minutes. 
I love that about just starting off with the small habits, the small things. That's perfect. Well, and it's hard to be intentional too. I, I will admit when I first started meditating, I actually put a timer on my phone um, at noon when it was my lunch break at work and again midday at four or five o'clock. And my phone would ding to tell me to stop what I was doing and to meditate. So I had to, I had to kind of train myself and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you're not going to remember it on your own, set a timer on your phone. And that's perfect because, you know, people that are, you know, out working full-time jobs and they have, you know, they have responsibilities. They need a reminder maybe to meditate or maybe even to drink more water. Absolutely. Those little reminders are perfect. We need them. And I wanted to, and I know our time is flying by here, but I had a couple more a couple more questions here. And that's, what is the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months and why? Well, it will definitely relate back to the launch of my book. Because as I said, when I wrote it, I really wasn't thinking about the impact it was going to have on other people. I knew there would be some impact. But since it's released uh, in February... I am absolutely inundated with inboxes and people reaching out or leaving reviews on Amazon. And I'm touching people in ways that I cannot even imagine. I mean, it's really been, it's been crazy. I have a particular chapter in the book that when I wrote it, I was writing about my sobriety. But turns out a mother who had read it got a completely different message from it. And she reached out to me to say, thank you for writing this chapter. This, this, and this is what I took from it. And I was like, I remember saying to my husband, wow, I didn't even realize that that was happening within that. And she saw that message in that thread and pointed it back out to me. And it was another one of those, you know, gems or nuggets. So the biggest surprise is the level to which my book is resonating with people. I knew it would resonate with some people, but I think it's speaking to an even larger audience than I had originally expected. So I'm delighted about that. Well, congratulations on the release. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I've I've started going through it and it's really, really, and I said this to you at the beginning, but it's just so vulnerable and candid. And you're right. Well, like the person who reached out to you, when we're writing something or we're saying something, and this is how I feel about the podcast, we're saying it one way and other people, it's resonating differently. Absolutely. So, that, so that's very cool, Jill. I'm, I'm glad you're having such good response from the book. Thank you. What would you thank your 18-year-old self for? If I could go back and thank my 18-year-old self, it would be for going to college. I'm so proud of that person. I did not have parents edging me along. Obviously, I emancipated myself from my parents when I was 13 or 14 years old and was kind of um, considered my own an independent adult at a very early age. And I had a rocky adolescence, you know, finding my grounding since I came from such a chaotic beginning. But I went to college anyways because I had a third grade teacher who really inspired me. And I knew from when I was very young on that I wanted to be a teacher. And so I'm very proud of my 18-year-old self for following through on that desire and passion because I've been teaching now for over 22 years and it has been a very fulfilling career. Mm, I love that. I love it. So tell our listeners where they can find you, your social media, where they can buy the book, everything about Jill. 
All right. So as you said, my book, uh, which is called When the Apple Falls Far from the Tree, Discovering the Gifts Within the Chaos, just came out. You can find the book at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on my website. My website is JustBeingJill.com, just like it sounds. There is a tab up there that talks about my book. You can click on that for all the different ways to purchase it. You can also find some of my blogs, which talk about everything from forgiveness to setting up your morning routine and ritual. So I have some good nuggets there your listeners can uh, get. And if your listeners subscribe to my website at justbeingjill.com, they can receive chapter one of the book for free. So they can give that a read and see if it's something that resonates and speaks with them. And as I mentioned, I'm, I'm currently enrolled in Spiritual Life Coach School, and I'm going to be doing something with the book and my teachings and my tools. So there should be lots of upcoming stuff. So if they get on board now, they will be listeners are or participants hopefully for me in the future as well oh thank you for letting us know that and everybody go out to sign up for her newsletter thank you thank you all right is there just one nugget i know there's many nuggets but is there (laughs) one takeaway that you would hope that our listeners would take away i think the overall theme of my book and my life is that nugget of loving yourself most and putting yourself first. And I know we've spoken about that, but I think a lot of people are afraid to put themselves first. And when we do that inner work to get to know ourselves, to know what we need to heal, to know the blocks we need to get out of our way and we uncover, you really do fall in love with yourself. And that's kind of the journey I've been on and I recommend it for everybody. Again, it can be overwhelming. I know personal development, Um, you know, is a big, broad spectrum, but just dabble in something. Go ahead and research something that you're having an inkling about, because I find that usually when you scratch the surface of one thing, it leads to another and then another, and then you find yourself on this path, and it's a beautiful thing when you allow it to unfold. Thank you again for being a guest. I really do appreciate you. Oh, this has been fun, Cindy. I really appreciate being able to come in and speak with your community today. And you've made a listener out of me. I definitely listened to a few episodes before we hooked up today. And you're right up my alley as far as personal growth and, and like you said, spiritual explorers. I think that's where it's at. And there's more and more of us awakening. And I'm really excited about it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I would love to hear your favorite part of the conversations. Recently, I had someone tell me they love the podcast, but they didn't know how to leave a review. So I'm here to help. This is how you leave a review on your iPhone. Open Apple Podcast app. Tap the search tab in the lower right corner of the screen. Search for Exploring the Seasons of Life and tap the blue search key at the bottom right. Tap the album art for the podcast and on the next screen, scroll down to the bottom of the page and tap on Write a Review. If you're not already signed into iTunes, you'll be asked to enter your iTunes password to log in. Then you'll be able to rate on a five-star scale. Tap the stars to leave a rating. You can also leave a review without leaving a rating, but honestly, the rating is so important. I read every comment and they make my heart smile. Until next time, live inspired.